welcome back to Set the Table. This is episode 21 for October 22nd of 2020. A lot of 20s and 2s and things there. Anyway, I'm John, and with me is Jack. How's it going, eh? It is going well. Um, so we're going to talk... Uh, the title so far is uh, Casual Conversation Number 2. So this is going to be kind of a chatty episode... Um, not a real topic, though we have some little points to bring up along the way. Um, but we've got a lot of, like, little stuff kind of going on in different games and in news and things, so I thought it'd be a good idea for us just to hang out and chat a little bit and see where everything is at and, uh, just pause for some reflection. Um, we're also due for a guest episode coming up. We were, we were going to try to do those every ten episodes, and turns out we don't have that many people that we can bring on for guests, so... Um, we'll try to do that soon if we can. Um, the Bard episode is coming up, so I might see if, uh, if my friend James wants to come on. I've talked about Connie on the show a couple of times, so, um, could be interesting. It, and would, he's... it would be interesting to talk to James, because I've played, uh, College of Whispers Bard, who's Ooh, very... yes. Very, sketchy. very different. Very different, right? She's she's evil. She's kind of got an Eartha Kit lounge singer. You, you know, she's not your traditional, um, you know, handsome guy with the loot trying to score with the ladies. She she was very <laughs> opposite of of that archetype. So. Nice. And Connie uh, is not. He's he's the handsome young lad with the loot, but he's not the trying to score with the ladies. Um, interestingly enough. Per his backstory, his character is still a virgin. So, uh, oh. I, you're both playing atypical versions of bards, which might be interesting, uh, especially since I think you know when most people think, "Oh, a bard," it's you know the the seductor. Can I can I seduce the dragon? It's that bard. So, right. We might do I'm that. Sing, we'll see. I'm gonna sing some songs, and and everyone's gonna like us, and then we don't have to fight. It's like uh, sometimes, but not all times. Not all times. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to the what have you played segment. Sure thing. Segment. Well, that's kind of where we're at. We'll put that Bard episode on the back burner, and I'll chat with James about it. Um, but we can start off by recapping our our seven C a little bit. We talk about that a bunch on the show. So, yes. um, we are. This is we're in what the third or fourth session of chapter three of your campaign. Fourth session of the last story. Yes. Yep. Um, I am playing Abbot Hamish Mortimer uh, after switching from my uh, lone wolf mercenary swords guy, or well, dagger guy. I am now playing a chatty old wise priest, and um, not bardic, but he is very support oriented, at least. Um, he's kind of clerical in in a in a lot of senses. A little bit, but he's. A lot of his advantages and things have to do with having social connector connections, and his panache is very low, which is the like charisma equivalent for those who don't know. Um, so he's not super likable. He's not rude. He's a friendly guy, but he's a little maybe a little snooty and weird, um, and and very not very, but a little uppity about his intelligence. So he's got friends because he's a smart guy. Um, but we're coming to a point where I think we're going to be doing some... We might be doing some fighting, uh, and that will be super interesting to see how he pans out there. 
which is why uh, the GM has given you kind of a Castilian escort. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was a little nervous about them, but it, it's, it's, it's. See, so like Joseph, the old character, would totally have been distrustful and wary, and probably not appreciated their presence a ton. He would have wanted to lone wolf it. So right. Pretty. I, I don't know. Pretty interesting. Uh, Story wise, I don't know what we talked about on the show last, but we're investigating a lady who is called the Countess Elizabeth. And she has some, there's some sort of dark magic about her. And we encountered a portal that brought us to about 100 years in the past where she isn't that yet. And so now we have the interesting conundrum of do we destroy her? Do we try to save her? What do we do now? And I normally don't like time travel. Like, in movies it's kind of okay because they kind of wrap it up. But in games, I... I really, really don't like time travel. Um, but this is working out well so far. I like the idea of meddling with a specific instance of history a little bit. You're, you're, was... you're handling the time travel well so far. So so it wasn't really supposed to be time travel as much as it was a, a, a portal into the realm. Okay. Uh, but... It turned into time. It's seventh C, so so it it kind of morphed that way. Yeah, which is it's fine, uh, I think, too, because seventh C is more cinematic. So, like I said, in movies, it's kind of okay. In games, I don't love it. So this is kind of a right. weird, happy marriage. Seventh C continues to surprise me. Yes, it, it it's it's it it is like I I'm jonesing now to play Traveler, um, because I was listening to one of Mark Miller's fiction books in the car i should probably start listening to john wick's fiction books in the car gearing up um, for cyberpunk oh wrong john wick no uh gearing up for more seven c um there there are some seven c novels you were um not to totally jump ship but you were a cyberpunk fan like of the rpg right um so no Actually, GURP Cyberpunk, that's the book that's on the shelf GURPS, that I'm thinking. Yes, I, I like GURPS Cyberpunk. I don't care for, um, is it Catalyst Games? Where's my web browser? Um, the, the RPG. Yeah. Uh, the and, tabletop and the reason, one. <laughs> the reason I don't like the tabletop RPG from, I think it's Catalyst Games, is... I, I didn't like I don't I, I like uh Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. Yep. Um I like um GURPS Cyberpunk. Like I don't like the the fantasy elements to uh the Cyberpunk RPG. Okay, fair enough. So you're you're not somebody who's following Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven very much. No. Okay. No. And and it's in and it's it's purely because when when I think of that genre, I think Logan's Run, Blade Runner, uh, The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, I like my dystopian future to be purely uh, human driven. Okay, interesting. Um, I I think I think if I wanted to play that kind of game, I would play Rift. 
from so, Palladium. Okay, I I know Rift to be uh like a I think it's a Korean MMO, um, maybe not. I know Rift is an MMO. So what is Rift the game you're talking about? So Rift is a tabletop RP Rift the RPG. Uh, I believe it was Palladium. Yes, Palladium was the company that invented the RPG uh, in the 90s. And basically it is our world, uh, but it unravels and falls apart. Basically, rifts in reality uh, open up, and, and, and it's never sufficiently explained. But um, Is that it's kind sci-fi of, or fantasy? It, it it's it's a mixture of both basically what happens is if you subscribe to the quantum mechanic uh many worlds cosmology uh the barriers between the many worlds fail so uh you get into these weird Ooh. alternate history areas you get into these weird hey uh in canada uh, humans, the the Canada that that is manifest in in the current reality, is the Canada where instead of primates becoming the 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 the, the, the dominant species, the beavers become the dominant species. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you've got uh, you've got a portion of Canada populated by bipedal advanced beavers with cars and machine guns and airplanes and. Um, <laughs> That sounds pretty fun. There's there's a wild west area where you know the 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 18 technology doesn't progress past the 1870s. There's a steampunk space. It's a it's a post-apocalyptic according to the genre here on Wikipedia. It says post-apocalyptic science fiction, but there are also fantasy uh, elements in there with there's magic and psionics and yeah, it's just it's a very cool and and so Palladium did it in the '90s and uh, Pinnacle Entertainment Group has redone it using the Savage World rules. Okay, interesting. Uh, so you can get Savage Worlds version of Rifts, or you can get the original version of Rifts. I I think the Savage World treatment is really good because that that rule system really shines in these kind of um. It's basically, I feel that Savage Worlds is kind of like GURPS Light. Okay, that makes sense. Um, if, if you're looking for a way to have um, uh, a space traveler meet up with a vampire, meet up with a mage, and a cowboy, um, GURPS, obviously, you can do that in GURPS. That's, that's what GURPS is designed for. Mm -hmm. But you can also do that easily in savage worlds and not have the 50 pages of rules to try <laughs> and work nice um cool so i i don't know that i have a whole lot more to say about 7c uh it's been fun and it continues to impress me Yes, yeah, I, I, I've this, this is we've we've been doing. I've been GMing Seven C now for a long time, and um, I'm really happy that you guys are starting to take the narrative away from me. Yeah, that's super weird to get used to, especially coming from like Five E being my main game, where it's very DM narrated, 
Um, this last session I had three raises to spend at dinner and normally with the raises you would ask like yes or no questions of the characters or the situation or the story or you could declare things that are true about the characters or the narrative or the story um, which very different kind of weird but once you start to get a sense of what you can do with those um, it starts to it starts to be really cool and I, I like what I decided to do I spent those raises to increase my relationship meter with the character that we might be trying to save from turning evil so positive social advancement but not in a oh I roll and she likes me it is I mean like so mechanically I guess it's the same if I were to make a persuasion check versus rolling for raises but it is different and more powerful as a player to be able to you know oh, I'm gonna make the persuasion check and it's like well she you know maybe there's something that we don't know about her that she likes or maybe the DM had other plans and it doesn't fit the story and um, oh they they you know I rolled a 21 persuasion and now she doesn't really like you for some reason oh okay versus alright I have three raises uh, the the youthful countess finds him charming and informative and that's uh, that's pretty cool. It's a very now cool feeling a, as a player. Now he's a grandpa figure. Yeah, a little bit. Not in a creepy way. I tried to make not that pretty clear. <laughs> um, no, no, and 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 not in a creepy way. But that's you. You forged a relationship with this NPC that you know you you normally wouldn't have. Yeah, and coming from a place where I have run groups, I've talked about it on the show ad nauseum. But I've run some groups for like at-risk kids. Um, and not that that is super relevant, but it's super cool to see their like social progress throughout it. And I think that it is uh, cool in a parallel way to see some like D and D players unlocking that for ourselves, I guess. And it'll be cool to see Kristen and Callie do it once they sort of figure that out as well. And and, and Callie's starting to figure it out too. Mm-hmm. She, she she has stopped making because when when you, both of you started, I think the mechanics and we talked about this in the seventh C episode, right? You you were so used to the I want to roll perception, I want to roll. You're like, hey, can I make a notice <laughs> wrist? And it's like, you don't have you, to. You can, but the way the story's unfolding, this is you're gonna see this anyway. Like, oh, I am. Yeah, that, that this is the story. The story is about. What's happening here? Of course, you're gonna you're gonna notice that. Um, you use use your use your risk to tell me something and be like, oh, um, okay. We 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 find we find the woman being blackmailed. Okay, okay cool. Here she is. She's she's yeah. We did that too. Cleaning the stable. Oh, well, what do we roll to talk to her? Just talk. She's she's right there. <laughs> she's right there. Cleaning the stable. Yeah. Um, and and it's it is it's very liberating it's 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 very I th I think people are afraid I don't know if it's fear or just un unfamiliarity I think part of it is that it's a lot of player and like uh, sorry it's a lot of power and player responsibility that I think especially if you come into tabletop RPGs from five E 
or any other D&D or, or simple system like that with, you know, Pathfinder or whatever, that you kind of expect the, the DM to have that responsibility. So it's like, yeah. why, why, you know, why, why am I writing the story? I'm here to play in the story. But like even actors ad lib lines and, you know, wing stuff sometimes. So, oh, some of the best lines in movies are totally ad lib. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, you I mean, get that's... that, too, in other things. But just like the it's 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 a little bit of a weird power dynamic thing. And I, I think that in. 5e and like systems there's a, a degree of respect that you kind of have for the dm and what they're doing and not that mm -hmm. i respect you less as the gm of the 7c game but i i kind of need to tell myself that so that i know that i have that degree of power in the world and it's sure. a I think that it's, you know, mentioned it before too, but it's a session zero thing where you want to be like, well, how much, how much, how much agency do you really want to have? And do you want that agency? So like in 5e, that agency might be very much character creation and some story decision making as, as far as your backstories and how that impacts things. But in 7c, it's a different, I don't know, a different focus. Yeah. Um anyway, we yeah, oh, yeah, go ahead. We and we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, before, we definitely. So. Tell, um, tell me about five E game. So we we've been having some scheduling things and I'll I'll recap first, then we'll talk scheduling. So we have played a couple of what I have dubbed Tales from Ados. So Ados is the universe that I have created. And when we are missing people for the main game, we play what I have dubbed a Tale from Ados, which is a alt it's not an alternate timeline, but it's at a different point in time with different characters uh, in the same world. And so they get to explore more of the world that they haven't seen as part of the main quest because they're very story focused and um, that can get you know heavier or more involved. They're more invested in the Tales from Ados. They get to play alternate characters and they can swap those as much as they want. So I, I have a couple of players who've been itching to, to try out some different character builds and play with different backstories that they've written. So it gives them the chance to do that. And so they've been doing uh it's probably going to be three parts um little mini adventure that i wrote real quick based around a character that callie made who is a cleric of light i think and she wanted to be a werewolf so i was like all right i can write a story for that and so they are at a resort island uh on a lake it's a small little island and maybe four or five miles north there's a much not much larger but there's a little bit bigger of an island um, and so they, they went there, there's a resort, and the first night there was a werewolf attack, and the werewolves are coming down from the northern island. There was a fortune teller hired by the owner of the island, and she came out to everybody during a like public community announcement by the owner to declare that the place was cursed and that he'd built it over sacred ground. And so the werewolves are here to claim the territory of their ancestors' burial, um... And so they've, the Callie's cleric has been bit and is changing. Um, I'm 
very much swinging some some homebrew lycanthropy stuff um and at least in terms of how that sets in on a character cuz the 5e rules aren't super clear on player character lycanthropy um but they're there they're having a blast uh they get to have a lot more like fun goofy moments cuz everyone takes it a whole lot less seriously so if you've got like a main game like that and somebody can't make it or everyone's looking for something different hosting alternate timeline alternate games in the same universe can be very satisfying for everybody because I get to world build more and they get to play around and it's it's very fun um, so we've been doing that and last week nope yes last week we got to play the the main game and the party <clears throat> spent a long time like two hours of our three-hour session talking to people and collecting information and role-playing and it was really good and then they got into some combat and made it to the start of a dungeon. And so right now they're exploring a, an X on a map that the warlock had gotten from his patron that's just marked with three X's on a very geographically sparse map. And so they've sort of figured out where they are, and they're at the place. They're in the undercity of a dwarven city. So, you know, go into the mountain, into the dwarven city, and then at the bottom there they have um, uh, the deep gate, they call it which is a large door that goes into the below, which is the Underdark equivalent of my world. And so now they are getting closer to the below through this Dwarven city. I'm not going to say too much more because I think some of them listen, so um, we'll get to that as soon as we get to play more. Which brings me to the scheduling things, if we want to talk about that. Well... I was going to talk about my 5e game. Go ahead. Let's do that. We're, bring us up to speed with Dolrea. So we we are in the final throes of the... So, so my group changes DMs um, after a long campaign. Smart. Or it can be, right? So... Relieve some huh? DM. It can, that can be That can be a, a smart technique or tip or party style. Um, for for groups that have DMs who are willing, usually at least colloquially, what I see is that um, groups don't have DMs, right? Or they get a new DM who kind of gets thrown into it. So it's cool that you guys have a group of people that all have that creative energy, and you can sort of spread the, I guess the weight, the work of it. It's not work, but you know what we, I'm saying. We just we we just we we pass the the baton from from point to point, and and so far I. I've been doing one-offs for the mm -hmm. group. So um, I did an alien one-off. Yep, that I played, played in that one. Uh, I did a paranoia one-off that turned into like a three or four-off because they wouldn't, like we were just going to play paranoia and then just stop. Like, <laughs> hey, here are your clones. You're doing something crazy. Some funny stuff happens. Okay, you know, end of story. And they're like, no, what do you mean end of story? It's like, well, <laughs> You know, we're we're gonna play. We're going back to five E next week, and it's like, but we're in we're in a cafeteria flooded by uh, red dessert topping, fighting a group of clones who've gone crazy and think they're pirates. Like, we want to know how the fight turns out. It's like, oh, okay, nice. That's um, very cool. Very encouraging as a DM. Very cool. Um, and what else did I do? Uh, I did a Savage Worlds Lankmar. Mm -hmm. 
um, which was fabulous. I love playing. I, Savage Worlds is a really good system. Um, I don't think we've talked about it on the on the show. It's come up um, several times, but we haven't really dug into it much, if at all. We, and I haven't played, so. And and yeah, we we can save that for after you play. There's there's a bunch of different like they have rips, they have Solomon Kane, they have yeah. Br- bring me in on one of those one shots you do. If you do a Lankmar one, I will totally play that. Yeah, I I don't know if we'll do another Lankmar one shot or or not. Well, um, you should. I'm gonna. I'm gonna play <laughs> the painter and the pirate with a different group. I'm gonna yep. play test my module with a second group before I go to publish it. Cool. Uh, so that's what's coming, right? And that's and our our current DM, we've got one maybe two more sessions because the big finale fight has started. Ooh, uh, you, so context. So, so we are, so the, the game has been, we're in a prison kind of like, uh, escape from New York style. Uh, there's this city, it's a magically altered location could be in a different plane of existence. We're not really sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but we've been in this prison this whole time. Some of us are there for crimes we didn't commit. Delray is there because she's a a drug dealer. Um, (laughs) For a drow house and and so we just had we we kind of banded together and the guards were trustees basically the guards give us things to do and we go do them and, and Dalrea found uh the underground and there's a whole like underground culture and it's it's still everyone's still in prison but they're living more like they're in the underdark and they just don't care what's happening on the surface and right. of course She's a Nerf Neblin, so that's like, oh gosh, this is amazing. I want, I want, this is what I want. I, you know, I don't care if I get out of here or not. If I can, you know, if I can sing at the club three nights a week and and have people buy me drinks and and have a nice place to live, then I'm I'm done. Like that, that. Why would I? Why would I struggle to escape and go back to a drow household where I am not a drow? Um, you know, I'm I'm an underling slave. So no, I this is cool and everybody else is like no we screw that we want to get out of here huh uh so so there's there's a on the surface of the prison so dorea made nice with the underdark part of the prison yeah the surface of the prison there's a a slave republic which is gonna have an uprising basically a big prison riot to throw the guards out of out of power because the guards are all kind of sketchy uh Delrea and her crew were supposed to help the guards by poisoning the slaves. Uh they didn't do that. They ratted the guards out to the slaves and they're going to fight on the for the slaves and during the fight Delrea is going to just escape and go hide underground. Um, and and then start living her life the way she would prefer to live it. Nice. Sounds very satisfying. Uh, the the fight is is happening. There's there's been we've already started some combat stuff. Um the the people the part of the we call them the nature crew. Um <laughs> they they they're basically a, a druid and a paladin who were arrested for destroying property, but they were destroying this company's property that was cutting down their forest. 
Ah, uh, okay. Right? So, you know, they 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 were here. They are in the Amazon, and the bulldozers come, and they start, <laughs> you know, fighting the people on the killing the people on the bulldozers, and then they get sent to prison for that. So, while they're good, they, they still did you know questionable things. Yeah, yeah, chaotic good. No, well, they were neutral. defending their home, and and they didn't rec they didn't recognize or realize that evil people had sold their land out from under them, probably swindled mm -hmm. land, you know that kind of thing. But yeah, so so that's that's we haven't seen the end of Dolrea yet, but it's it's coming soon, it's coming. and then I will start up um, the painter and the pirate Seven C adventure for this group, and I'm really excited because. This will be the second time most of them have played 7th C. So yeah. some of that uh, transfer of authority and agency will be a little bit more natural for them. Excellent. And then I just, I'm super interested to see how a different set of people play the, play the, the campaign. Yeah, I want to hear about it for sure. Um, so for my 5e group, um, one of my players just started a new job, and so he's working a little bit different schedule. Uh, and so we, we normally play Sunday nights from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, sometimes we'll go to 10.30 if, if everyone's cool with it, and if not, we'll end by 10. Uh, and so we have had a couple of weeks where we've been playing the Tales from Atos, the TFA, Um and last week we got to play our main game and then got to the start of the dungeon right at the end. Uh, and so we talked a little bit in the post-show about doing a longer session on Sunday um, at a different time. And people didn't want to do later because it means kind of the day is shot. And then we talked about maybe doing in the morning, doing like a, a double session, which for us would be six hours. So we'd play like eight to two with a break for lunch, um, and one of the players got uh, his up his updated work schedule, and so he's out for the weekend. Um, and so we've been we're just we've been talking a lot and trying to to fix up the schedule a little and try to find a way to make up some time and get in more sessions before the holidays roll in. And so I I wanted to bring it up because I feel like it is good to get some perspective on scheduling, especially if you're a new DM, because that's usually one of the hardest things that you'll run into um, after your session zero stuff, right? So like the most immediate thing that you'll notice are, are problem players that are like very blatantly causing issues uh, in your group. The next thing that will probably come is that you, well, uh, it might be like imposter syndrome and feeling like you're not prepared enough and trying to figure out how to be a better DM. But what comes right after that then is somebody saying that they can't make it and now what do you do? So we've been, we have a, a Discord with some different channels in there for different stuff. And so we've been talking a lot throughout the week. We're talking a little, I guess, because I wish my group was a little more communicative, but they they chime in kind of when they need to, so it's it's okay. Um, but we've been just communicating a lot this week about how we're going to schedule this and sort of what we want to do if we want to change our regular time moving forward to try to get an extra half hour or hour into our, our weekly session. Um, I think probably about half the group really wants to play more. Um, no, we've got six. So 
two of us really want to play more. Um, two of us are are kind of neutral about it. Like they they could if it makes sense. And then two of us are a little bit more like uh, have have either difficulty scheduling or or not necessarily wanting to schedule a whole lot more time for for D and D. But communication is vitally important. I don't know that I need to say a whole lot more than that on that, but um, we've been we've been trying to find a way to do this this longer session, um, and I think that that can be a good solution if you end up missing a bunch of sessions and you're trying to make extra time up. Um, people have a lot of stuff going on in the afternoon or the evenings in my group sometimes, so um, you know, C Callie's got stuff three other nights of the week and then games two nights of the week so she's really only got the one or two days that she gets to to sort of have a free evening um and I, other players have have things as well so how we we are kind of working on it trying to talk about it and find out you know what works best and do we do the double session do we stick to the regular schedule that we've been doing and and just keep doing our best um because we're out that player this weekend, uh, and he is part of both the main game and the TFA, because he's usually not out. This is the one that is, uh, is I don't know, very high attendance. Um, and so we're looking at either doing a different TFA, or I'm trying to see if I can get them to play DCC. Um, but outside of trying to make up time and taking... Yeah, one thing I said. So outside of trying to to make up either lost session time or try to reschedule, do you have any suggestions or or how you would handle that? You know, do you just do you just take the pass or do you work to try to find it? So my my group does one of two things. Uh, we either take the pass, like okay, it, it's a night off, um, which isn't bad. Um, I know it's not bad, but I don't I. I need, I need my games in my week. No, I, I appreciate that. It's and and then the other the other strategy for us is we run a one shot. Yep, which and, is what we're and, what I'm exploring there. And and somebody else, which is kind of like your tales from Ados, but um, and and the nice thing about the one shots is, let's see how many do I have in my group? One, two. Gingy's not playing. Tegan's new, so that's two, three, four, five, six, seven. Me, holy crap, that's eight. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice big group. Um, we, 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 yeah, we have we have a large group. Not everyone is playing right now in the in the main game. Um, and when we do one shots, it's not a, a have to. It's a if you feel like it. Right. So yeah, no, that I, I do that as well. I, I have a. I have a request in to run Monarchies of Mao, which is from the Pugmire. Pu uh, what's the publisher? Pelgrane. Um, yes, Pelgrane Press. And it is basically 5e with anthropomorphic cats. In Redwall, basically. Um, more or less, yeah. There's There's... Pugmire is the dogs, and Monarchies of Mao, that's the nation of the cats. Yep. Uh, Redwall, I think, is more like Mouse Guard, which is oh, also sure. on the shelf. 
Yeah, right very similar though. In the, the I've got modern Mal Mal right next to Mouse Guard. I should open up the Mouse Guard box and see if the if the rules are still there. <laughs> or cats have have eaten them. Um, but but that there there are a couple of players that in the group out of the eight that are like that's silly. Like if I wanted to play five e, I'll play five e. I don't want to play five e as a British short hair cat. And, and it's it's not a it's not that it's not judgmental. I, I'm sounding more judgmental than than no, it is. No, no, no. It's, it's fine, like, right? It's just not the, like not the fantasy hey, they want. Yeah, you know, if if we have a if if I run a one off, who wants monarchies of Mao? And a couple of folks are like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> um, we'll take the we'll take the week off. And a couple of folks are like, oh my god, yes. Uh, so so we kind of do that. I mean, we we've had we've had some one off, and we do. We just we'll run the one off. Um, if it's a new, a lot of times it's it, it turns into a two or three or four off because people enjoy the game, they enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent. Uh, and sometimes it's just a it's a one and done. We played one, um, kids on bikes. Oh yep. Um, the, that was hard. The, the Stranger Things Goonies kind of deal. Yep, and that was really hard for me because. It was set in the 80s. Oh, yeah, you mentioned this. And I grew up in the 80s, so people were like, oh, I'm going to just go play Xbox. It's like, no Xbox. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, I'll use the cell. I'll, I'll call. On what? My phone. It's the, like, no. Here, the here's pay a, here's phone a, that's a half a mile down the street, and you don't have any nickels? <laughs> yeah, here, here's a quarter. Run to the pay phone. <laughs> oh. and, no, and that, that could be fun with the right group, though. It, it 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 and it, it was fun. I just I I needed to suspend my historical my urge for historical accuracy. Yes, right? you do have that. I <laughs> wanted to relive the '80s, and and it, and they were taking they were pulling me During out 90s. of fantasy yeah. by talking about things from the '90s and the early 2000s. And and it wasn't it's it's nobody's fault, right? I'm not angry at all with no. anybody. Um, but it was just like. This is, you know, I, I had to. It took me a, it took me a while to kind of suspend that. Um, Fair enough. But it was good. It, it, it wound up being good. Um, that was a one shot. We only did one shot. Yeah. Um, but. So then we we. In in addition to to scheduling and either you know trying to play a little bit or have a partial group come in, part of the. I guess the benefit of that, right? Because immediately somebody says, I can't make it. And it's like, ah, that's a bummer. However, comma, the one of the potential benefits of that is that you do get to try out one shots in other systems. Um, Are there other ways that you try to turn that into a positive? Um, so not recently, but a long time ago, and this is like in the nineties, back in the 1990s, (laughs) Um, I used to play a lot of online RPGs through the Mush Mux systems, and Mux is that I, like mud? It's like a mud. It's it's the it's the next generation of mud. So the the multi user dungeon like LP Mud and Daiku Mud those are systems that run. Those are the actual software packages that you run. Um, they were kind of structured and formulaic they were a lot like um the info com 
interactive fiction games. Um, okay. Again, these 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 are ex- archaic and and extinct, but um, like there was a game, there was an actual game for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where you were Arthur Dent. Oh, cool. And you it you would read a page of text and then you would type in a sentence. So it would be, you know, you are in a dark room. You can hear the rumble. You can hear some kind of rumbling. Your head hurts. And you would type in open eyes. And it's like, you can see your bedroom. Um, <laughs> and then you would type in, go, you know, go north. And north would be the bathroom. Go, go and Dennis. Then, go, go Dennis. Yeah. So go watch the Homestar <laughs> Runner episode. Uh, and you can play Thy Dungeon Man. Yeah, um, you can. And it's, it, and it's it's very similar to that kind of thing. You can find that and over at HomestarRunner.com. Yes. Muds were very structured like that. And mushes and muxes, which was a fork of the source code, were much more... What's the, um, what's the acronym? Multi-user shared hallucination. Ooh. Yes. Okay. And the multi-user shared hallucination uh, system allowed you, if you had sufficient privileges, to build. You could dig rooms, basically. That's the command was dig. Um, and you could connect rooms with exits and create more stuff. Okay. And so, so text-based Minecraft. Text-based Minecraft, basically. <laughs> yes. If you want to, and that's exactly it. Um, and then there were systems in place. So, so certain there was, it's, it's an object oriented, I don't want to get too programming here, uh, or nerdy, but it's an object oriented environment where, uh, certain objects would inherit attributes from master objects. So, uh, um, you could create a space where dice rolling would work. It's, it's kind of like, it, okay. I don't, you're you're, you're um, like putting individual mechanics in different places, like functions. Sure, it, it's a lot like the Avray channel in Discord. If you have that plugin or bot, um, but there are but there are Discord bots where you can type a macro to roll dice or type a macro to get information out of the SRD for for fifth edition. Yep, um, and it it's similar to that. So so you could. Basically, it was it was a text-based version of Roll Twenty. Okay, very uh, cool. Where you could move into different rooms with different players that represented other human beings and have interaction. So play an online game instead. Yes, and okay. and so there's part of me that's that when people couldn't play, right? We would. Uh, we, there was a, there were a group of us that would meet at certain times to play, mm-hmm. uh, and when someone just didn't show up, we would take the story in a different direction, or we would run a different story. Okay. So, uh, the the one I played in was a werewolf. Uh, I was a werewolf. I was a uh, ragabash glass walker. Um, I owned a technology company and I was using that to steal funds from the vampire players. So there was a little bit of PVP going on. Ooh, neat. Um, and we were, you know, if, if it was, Hey, we're all going to get together in, in, uh, in the boardroom and have a meeting. If, if it didn't, if 
people didn't show up, it's like, okay, well, we'll just have that meeting a different day and we'll go have some other interaction now. You know, we'll, we'll, the, the three of us that are here, let's go down to the club and, and, or let's go down to the, the Starbucks and, and have a coffee <laughs> and, and role play there about a different thing that's going on. And, huh. and it was okay. very, it was a lot of fun. And I, I wonder about setting something up like that either in Roll20 or in Discord where if you had a, and, and of course we're talking about a player population in the hundreds, right? Okay. Um, so you could also bump into somebody and have a role play experience. Um, you had to make sure you stayed in the right rooms. You didn't want to go, um, there, there were public spaces. Mm -hmm. right? it, was, it was modeled after Asheville, North Carolina. Um, so there were public spaces spaces there were that that's where i think the university of north carolina is so there was you could go on campus and and hang out at the library you could go to the coffee shop you go to the chinese restaurant you could there were places you could be okay um, Te text-based second life yeah kind <laughs> of and then there were there were places that only werewolves could go um and those exits were locked based on your attributes that were set yeah and you had to have the attribute the werewolf attribute set by a an administrator. Uh, Do these um, still are these still around? Sure, they they still exist. Um, hmm. The the problem is that they're labor intensive because the the mechanical engines aren't they're, they're basic like they can store basic stuff. So yeah, it's not very it's like, sophisticated. It's like roll twenty. So so you need to have a staff, right? It's it's almost a job where you have admins who run kind of the server and the technical stuff and then you have judges who you call to judge role play mechanics so if you got into combat you would have to call a judge and if there was no judge available uh you could make a gentleman's agreement to to follow the rules uh and roll dice in public or you would just have to wait okay or you would have to say well I would really love to rip your throat out, you filthy leech, and and I'm in my Krenos werewolf form, but damn it, I, I'm going to have to flip back to hot human form and, and walk away. Um, so yeah. so yeah. it's, they, they exist, it's it's hard to get one running, and it's hard to keep one running. Yeah, but um, we have and a, then, um... and then, oh, go ahead. The coding takes uh, special talent. Hmm. Uh, so I've I've actually got one coded up for Traveler for Classic Traveler, um, and it's not very big right now, but it it supports character creation. You come in and there's a couple of rooms that you go to as kind of an unnamed un un uh, uh, um, uh, amorphous blob, uh, and then you <laughs> go through the Classic Traveler character generator, of course, which means you could die. Yep. <laughs> um, but I gotta find that code and put it up somewhere. They're also not very secure. Um, mm -hmm. they, they don't they don't support encryption. I mean, this this is 25, 30 year old technology. So yeah. Um, and and when you compare the experience to an RP World of Warcraft server or um, any any of the like. Uh, 
Grand Theft Auto Online. It just it's it's not what people are expecting anymore. Yeah, no, that's fair. So so it's not super popular. We've got a channel in the Discord called Character RP that sometimes it's rare, but sometimes my players will have post pre mid between game chats in character there to clarify some points or to try to plan a little bit for the next one. Um, and that, that could work. Uh, and I, yeah. I could put a discord bot in and let them have some die rolling there and sort of do a, a type to play, play when you can sort of thing. That's not a bad idea. Um, on yeah, the, I, I, nope, go ahead. I wonder how many people are actually doing stuff like that to, to fill that niche. Cause that was, that I don't, was always, I don't I mean, think it's super common, but it should be. I mean, that's a it's a good way to keep a little bit of group continuity between sessions and to keep everybody engaged and interested. And I mean, if if I think it would work better, um, and I, I'm just throwing ideas out here now. I haven't even really thought about this, so I'm yeah, gonna, no I'm probably going. Oh shit! Why was I saying that? That's stupid. Um, hey, good ideas are born of madness. So, so here's some madness for you. Um, I think that if you end the sessions, like I love ending on a cliffhanger. Um, and I think if you ended sessions more in the, okay, hey, you guys are at the tavern or okay, wow, that was a, a long hike. And now it's time for, you know, you're, you've got your campfire going and you're passing around the, the wine flask and, and chatting. Like if you, as a DM, I don't like to end on those kind of like pauses. Um, I I love the flashy cliffhanger because I think that's going to drag players. Everybody's going to be excited to play again, right? But if as a DM you ended on those kind of quiet moments, then you could give the players that space. Like, okay, hey, go into the Discord and you guys can role play around the campfire all week, and then. When we get together, we'll be ready to go on the next adventure. Nice. Yeah, definitely a good idea. I also like to end on cliffhangers and don't like to end at a lull all that often. I do sometimes to sort of give everybody a break and not feel like, oh, God, we got to get to the next session. Because while the excitement is good, sometimes that, oh, there's always something, oh, there's always something more gets, I don't know, not annoying, but stale or yeah. tiring, perhaps. Um, and and in 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 the MMO world, right? You always end on a. I was gonna use the clerks. You always end on a down. <laughs> you, you always you always end on that. Like, you don't stop in the middle of a raid. Like, hey, we're raiding Anixia. Okay, well, we made it halfway through, but guys, I gotta go. See ya. Right? Well, so if you're, I don't know, if you're a guild that's doing like progression and you're going to raid one night and raid the next night, you might just wait right outside the raid entrance. But yeah. But right. You you usually do a bunch of stuff, and then you find some safe, like in Conan, you have to find some safe place so some murder hobo won't come along and steal your stuff while you're sleeping. Yep. Um, <laughs> in, in Neverwinter, I always like go someplace. Right. I, I usually go back to my workshop and, and check my orders. And then I was just going to say... I often right. log in on the steps in front of the workshop. In front of the workshop, because you, it's like I've, I've, I've gone off, I've done some cool things, I've come home, 
and I'm I'm staying at home. So I, I think Ooh. that's and mushes and muds and and those types of games had that, that same kind of mechanic. Like I would I would go back to my apartment or I'd go back to my office and I disconnect in my home. Right. Um, unless you know for whatever I might disconnect at the bar uh, or at the coffee house, but, or at the CERN, I would, a lot of times I would be in the werewolf only spaces, but they would be, uh, you know, safe spaces and, and calm. Like there mm-hmm. wasn't, I was disconnecting in the middle of the fight or, uh, you know, Hey, that vampire, I've been stealing money. You know, I just froze his bank accounts and now he's coming to kill me. Okay. That, cause that vampire is another player and we had to coordinate with a judge Right. time when both be online and she could be online so she could run the battle for us kind of thing man so yeah you mentioned earlier playing uh well i guess it's not quite a video game but playing some sort of different kind of game um i have been playing some baldur's gate 3 with james lately and i've heard a lot of good stuff about divinity which I haven't played, but Baldur's Gate three would be like if if all of my group like had a platform to play this on and wanted to play, I think that that would be an awesome replacement or you know temporary stand-in for a weekend where somebody couldn't make it because that does it's uh it's a five e rule set it's an adventure RPG with up to four people. Um, it's a little bit dragon agey and they like you recruit companions and you can choose your party when you set out from camp. Um, if you're playing solo or with two, so like when James and I play, we each control two characters. Um, okay. And so it's, it's top down isometric, like Diablo kind of, and you okay. click around to move and there are people and places and all sorts of things to interact with. And then when you get into combat, it swaps to turn-based, and it's all like the 5e rule set. So you've got your action, bonus action, spell slots, um, and it's orchestrated very well. Uh, and so that has been a lot of fun, as a, not as a replacement, because we've been playing that during the week. But I think that if you had a group that wanted to do that, then that would be a good replacement. And that's been super fun. I don't know if you have played that or seen it or seen anything about Divinity. I have not. I actually just went to the webpage okay. for Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. Uh, it's it's early access, so... And they're not doing a, a price drop, so it's $60 on Steam. Um, I was... Oh, it's a PC. It's what? It's a PC game. Yeah, yep. Um, I was, was gifted it... Uh, and so we've been playing a bunch of that. Uh and yeah yeah, it's I'm I'm playing a cleric of life. I have my guiding bolts and my cure wounds, and I've got my, my chainmail armor and an enchanted mace that I got from killing some goblins. Um, oh shenanigans. What? So the va- the rogue is a vampire is a Domfear. Yes, Asterion. Spoiler alert. Hey, that's not fair. The Domfear is not canon. It it is, right? Like that's the Where? The... Which book is it? It's not raw. You know, I don't 
I don't know for certain. I think that you could swing it. But I don't know. I'll have to go looking now. I know it's not in the player's handbook, and I know it's not in Xanthar's guide. No, I, it's probably some homebrew shenanigans, to be fair. But it works, and maybe now we'll see an official Dompier publication for, for 5e. Um, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? They, it I mean, they, it'd be fine, right? But like, even if you were going to join us, you could still play Von Krumpus as a Dompier, and I would let you swing rule. Like, it's not a big deal. Right. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm also just, a very I, forgiving DM, so I, I'm, I, I'm super I, loose I, with my, the rules. My Monday group is not. They're they're more of a raw, raw style play. My players kind of err on that side sometimes, especially when I throw homebrew things at that. There's like so I talked about it very briefly a while back. The the big fight on the volcanic caldera, where I had a, I I basically I had an anti magic zone that I hadn't I hadn't looked up the spell anti magic zone so I just called that it did whatever I wanted it to do and then players were in there doing things and were like wait that's not how that spell works and I'm like well it's not the spell it's a homebrew and they had some issues with that cuz it was like well how do what is it and I had to give them the meta knowledge so that they weren't frustrated but um I forget where I was going with this brain fart i was complaining i was whining i was whinging that there's no dumb fears in 5e yeah so uh, you can be loose with the rules but do it in a way that your players are cool with maybe that was the point so i'm i'm looking at the list of of various topics to talk about and i see on there one of my favorite books yeah have you finished so I, I finished Swords and Deviltry, the first book in the Fafford and the Grey Mouser trilogy. Um, what did you think? Uh, it's, it's, so the writing is very, very good. Um, I would like to read more of it so that I get a better sense of that because the, the narrator's voice is how I imagine myself narrating D&D sometimes, except I'm not nearly as articulate and well-spoken. So uh, I would like to read more to be able to sort of have some of that rub off on me. As for... I, oop, go ahead. I feel that... Because like you, you and I have talked about these books. Um, you've heard about them since you were a young child, because they're... They are some of my favorites. Now, I didn't read them to you growing up, right? We we no. we read The Hobbit. Uh, uh, no, read... it was Chron Chronicles of Narnia. Was what you read? Chronicles to me. of Narnia, uh, Harry Potter. Some of those. Harry Potter was huh? coming out right when I was reading for myself. I think you, you read started... the first one, and then I was at the other ones. Yeah, and then you read Redwall on your own. Yep. Um, yep. Cousin got me but... that. But Fafford and the Grey Mouser is a little more adult as oh, a parent. I, it's it. This is you know, when they get into high school, if they're still reading fantasy, I'll recommend it. And I think that's kind of where I left it. Fair um, enough. Um, yeah. Then, so course, it, it was good. Uh, I I like. I don't love urban environments, but I like how the dynamic duo sort of gets pulled back at the end there. 
Um, it's kind of tragic, and I'm not going to spoil it because we've talked about it enough that I would hope maybe a couple people are, are fixing to explore that for themselves. But come on, it was written in the '70s. <laughs> I know, I know, They're but year-old books. But I'm, yes, I, I'm I, brand yeah, new no. to it, so there's that. Um, it's it is it's a little tragic. It's a little sad. But it's also not. I mean, it, it like literally, 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 it is the hero's tale, but it doesn't feel like that. Um, and I like the way that that gives me an idea about how to think about common tropes in an uncommon way. Um, it's it's good. I definitely so I I definitely see why. Gary Gygax would have mentioned it in the creation of Dungeons and Dragons. Like you can definitely see how that would inspire creativity. Like even just in the writing, right? Like I said, the voice was something that I would like to emanate or imitate a little in my own DMing. So, um, well worth the time. Compelling story that is uh, energetic, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Joy- it goes from joyful to tragic to it's it's. It's good. <laughs> it's a, it's, Sorry, I'm it's, rambling he, about he, it now. No, no, he, Ilmet and Lankmar is a roller coaster. Yeah. Yep. And, it sure and has. it's, it, it's um, it's got that pulp, like 1930s, 1940s kind of pulp dynamic where the they're and they're not really heroes, right? They're 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 people. They're, yeah. And they're in situations, and they make the best of the situation with the information that they have. You just described books, <laughs> and, and 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 it's it's great. I mean, they go from hey, life is kind of cool, and and things are exciting, and hey, this person I really enjoyed being with is arrested or or burned as a witch or or hurt or killed or whatever and now i'm being tortured huh right it's almost <laughs> it's almost like <clears throat> sorry uh maybe pedestrian in that way but not yeah well so again we 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 are reading and experiencing fritz lieber in 2020 um when these books first came out it was it's like reading conan like if you were reading uh robert howard e howard's books when they were first written right there was there was nothing like that mm-hmm. and, and with with Baffert and the gray mouser um you know what what else was there um chronicles of narnia like let's when when was that published? Let's let's look at that. Eighty four. So, and when did Narnia come out? Oh, I was just that was my guess. That was my spitball. Oh, I can I I'm can actually sorry. look I it up. You were that. No, I I am now. Uh, nineteen seventy was when the Chronicles so of Narnia was first published. Um. I've got the line the witch in the wardrobe in, as 1950. Oh well, all right then. Thanks, Bing. And then if if we look at uh, Fritz Lieber, uh, 
I've got the books on my That's shelf. Bad. I could go find the publishing date. Rit I'll let you do it. Where is it? I'm I'm just do you need help? Actually look up um while I'm looking up Fritz Lieber, why don't you look up uh the J.R.R. Tolkien? Sure. Um and then Here we go. 39. So 39. So yeah, so, the Hob the Hobbit was 37. Okay. So Baffert and the Grey Mouse are written over a span of 50 years. The first of them, Two Sod Adventure, appears in Unknown, August 1939. Nice. So so they are some of the original sword and sorcery type. Yeah, it's very cool. It makes a lot of sense that that is something that would be so formative for someone, you know, looking to make the game or somebody looking to DM it or play it. Like they're they're yeah. very good. Go read them. Um yes. and and there are several games based on Lankmar. Like there there is a tabletop games, uh, right? Yeah, there's several. So there's Savage Worlds, Lankmar, um, is a box set from yep. Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Mm -hmm. DCC the, does one. Uh, yeah, Goodman Games has has the license right now, and they're doing a Dungeon Crawl Classics, Lankmar. There, there is also D and D, uh, Lankmar variants as well. Hmm. Um, and. But I, I am glad that you like them. Yeah, yeah. I was I was worried. It's one of those things where, oh, you got to read this. This is amazing. You get and and then you I, wanted course, to live up to the hype, you know. Right. It's like, have I overhyped this? Is he going to read this and go, oh yeah, this is this is okay. No, <laughs> it's 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 very good, and it makes total sense why it is what it is. Um. There are D and D second edition Lankmar books. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, so that's probably all that I wanted to address. Um, I don't know if you have anything else that you want to talk about. Why? What are we, are we gonna have a short show this time? Um, a little. I mean, a little bit. We could go for a little while longer. I just don't know that I. I mean that that kind of covers my list. I'm feeling pretty good about the games that I've got upcoming. Um, I did start using a new dungeon mapping tool that is called Dungeon Scrawl. Um, clever name, and that's just a, a little web application that makes doing graph-based maps super super easy. Um, and so I've been using that to do my when I do dungeon maps, because I don't always do like battle maps, because I like theater of the mind more, and I don't really like dealing with the tokens on roll twenty. Um, but I do it sometimes because I know my party likes it, and I I also like maps and making maps. Um, it's just time consuming. So I made this this wonderful. I think it's uh, fifty two by seventy tile um, dwarven inner keep of the undercity 
map. Um, so dungeon scrawl is cool. I can throw a link in the description for that. Neat. Um, I found a mapping tool. I'm gonna have to look it up again, but it it does continents and lands and cultures and oh, it's dang. amazing. I um, I use uh, hexographer now worldographer um, to do my world map, which is a very very cool free thing. Maybe it was ten bucks. I don't remember. Um, but that has there's a maybe it was free and then there's a paid version because the paid version has uh, like map textures from original slash a d and d map styles, which is super cool mm -hmm. um oh, and so that that feels very retro, even though mine's no, not this, in that style it i i actually it's a javascript it's an angular program and you can download it and run it and it's on the Linux side of my laptop, which of course to run skype I'm running windows right now, so I can't pull it up but i will I will find it for the next show or for if we do a show on mapping, we should probably do a show on mapping. Yeah, yeah, we could. We should definitely. I mean, we we have. Ta I've. Ta I talk a lot about homebrew, um, and we've done one on homebrew, but we could definitely do a second and have it focus on maps and on cartography. Yeah, geological considerations. We could bring Thornton on for that because yeah. he's given me some shit for some of my stuff because that's his. That's his deal. He uh, he studied zoology and got his master's in geology after that. So. Oh, he's done so all... is he like you can't have a desert that close to a to a marsh or you can't yeah have no a, he's he's done a lot a of like GIS forest. topographical mapping and is like hey this river doesn't go anywhere how is it a river <laughs> like yeah. uh it's underground yeah but where does it exit I I don't know man stuff has got so many questions about the freaking stream um, yeah it's just a brook sometimes the brook is just a brook it's magic. Hi there, John here. Pardon the interruption, but it looks like for the remainder of the episode, which is about eight minutes, my microphone had cut out, and it is just Jack talking to himself. Um, well, it's not really, but that's what it sounds like. There's still some good content in there, and we are still planning to release that as part of this, so you'll hear that as soon as I'm done blathering here. Just wanted to give you a disclaimer in case listening to him talk by himself was not something you were interested in but he's got some good stuff to say so please do stick around and since i won't be here at the end of the show to say it if you want to ask a question talk to us hang out um, the easiest way to get in touch with us is on twitter at jmscoda5 or at red hoodie games and if you would like to support us anymore head on over to patreon.com slash skoda that's s-k-o-d-a so, this will be the last time you hear from me this show, uh, but please enjoy what Jack has to say through the ending, and we will see you next time. Yeah. I, I, th I think one of the other things that, like, before we started the show, I was talking about uh, um, Agent of the Imperium, which is a fabulous book by Mark Miller. Um from Far Future Enterprises. And Mark Miller, of course, is uh, the emperor of the Third Imperium, the inventor of Traveler, which was the, one of the very first sci-fi role-play games. And um, that I've started thinking about, we, we talked about Appendix N and Lieber and Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and Jules Verne and all the people who 
did creative fantasy things before there was the Dungeons and Dragons, before there were role play games. Um, I've been reading a lot of literature lately from authors post RPG, like after 1974. So like Agent of the Imperium. Um, I had a long car ride. Uh, I listened to Lisa Smed. The Lady Penitent, uh, which is a Forgotten Realms uh, series of novels. We've talked about uh, R.A. Salvatore as well, but uh, that's uh, those books, I think, are, for me, they're kind of double-edged swords because I really enjoy the fantasy, like the, the plot, the narrative, like what's happening. Um, but then I start to think mechanically, and I don't know if this happens to you or not, but it's like, wait a minute, how did Artemis and Trieri do that? If he got a natural 20, maybe, but, but he, he, can't, he can't pounce on that matron mother and cut her throat and do this other thing. That's two actions and a bonus action. Like, Sure, maybe, but then it just it's it I start doing that right and and then of course, um with the mark Miller book it's it's brilliant, right, because when he's taught when every chapter start every section of the book uh starts above a world, so it starts with the the date, which is written in traveler speak, so three three six dash five oh one that's the three hundred and thirty sixth day of year 501 and then it it's the zaru sector square 0917 the dais system and then and there's the upp the universal planetary profile which tells you the spaceport the size the hydro high, the atmosphere the population the government oh it's cool it's so so this is how the chapter starts okay um 334-501 aboard battleship Inaric above Zaru Sector 0917 Dias System B87477-9 Agricultural Rich. <laughs> and so that means that it's a B star port. It's in a size eight world. It's got a seven atmosphere. It's 40% water. Um, it's 10 to the 7 softens. Uh, it's got a decent economy 7 is the type of government I don't have that memorized and then oh 7 is the type of law um, and then 9 is the tech level so um, we live in a tech level 5 society today so tech level 9 is much better than us in, in but but I start reading this and then right before the show started I've got I pulled the Traveler 5 book 3 off the shelf and I'm looking up all the codes and making sure that but I, I think uh, we, we've asked the, the listeners to go find Appendix N stuff and read that and I think that's super important and I, I, will, I will I will invite you to do that any some more because it's just fabulous like you were saying you'll get in, introduced to vocabulary words you can throw in as a dm 
that just make your game pop. But then also throw into your reading library some of the fiction based on the game that you're playing. So Traveler, right? There's there's some Traveler fiction. There's Seventh Sea fiction. Uh, Call of there's a crap ton of 5e stuff right you can't walk through the fantasy section of border uh barnes and noble without seeing a crap ton of um of that stuff and it's, it's some of it's good and, and some of it's okay and um some of it is i think there's a new blue rose novel that just came out which is another one of those games that i'd like to i'd like to get on the table one of these days but I don't know what group to play that with because my Monday night group, I, I, they, they're too, I don't want to say violent, but they're action, the action, no, they're action oriented. Um, that's the nice way to say that. Uh, and I think that a Blue Rose campaign would be kind of, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, un unless I grabbed one of them. Mercedes Lackey books and did the the heralds, which are basically, um, they're kind of like the musketeers without guns, and their horses are um, sentient and they have psionics power. Basically, they're sentient psionic horses who can they they can only communicate mentally with their rider but they they form a bond and they can talk and and they can say things um it's very cool but the the stories are usually about sending information or learning something about a a, a different land or ex it's very exploratory and and not violent so um i don't know if my monday group Group would like that, and I'm not sure the Wednesday group is ready to move on to a different system. You guys are pretty excited about Seven C still, so. Yeah. But when that comes to an end, we'll have to find something else to play. The listeners know all glory to the matron mother. <laughs> Good day. Eh? <laughs> <laughs>